Okay. All right. Cool. Let's uh, start. So, um, how, how are you today? Not so bad, thank you. Not so bad. Um, <clears throat> I have uh, I have crept a little bit. Um, I've done some little bit of reading, and hey, let's see how it goes. Great, great, great. Um, okay, so let's let's start uh, with, with first of all. I'd like to thank you for accepting the invitation uh, to come on my podcast and and discuss about Prism Protocol. So so thank you for that. Um, basically, this podcast is starting to focus on stablecoins and CBDCs. So discussing about different stablecoin protocols. Uh, regulations across the world which are emerging related to stablecoins, related to CBDCs, and giving a, basically a simplistic view for audiences um, about all this stuff because it seems that it is very, you know, tax heavy. So mm. my objective is going to be to make, you know, common people understand uh, how all this thing works and how this could be used in real life. So, so that's the whole objective in today. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, your introduction, what I know for the audiences. So for our podcast today, we have um, Mawa, he's one of the leading community uh, member of a reserve protocol, independent community member who is uh, producing on a weekly basis updates on reserve protocols for over one year now, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so welcome to the podcast, Malo. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Great, great. So um, I, I'll start with, um, you know, I'd like to start with this story because I always find it very interesting how people actually, um, you know, navigate it to the, towards all this uh, crypto market in general. And then, you know, uh, since we're speaking about Rizzo Protocol today, I would like to, to know when exactly you kind of came across this project and what exactly were your thoughts when you did your research on Rizzo Protocol? And since the time you did your research back in, I think maybe two or three years ago, and today you see reserve. Was your vision or your visualization of the reserve protocol is it similar to where it is today, or you see it doing even more or doing less? Okay, um, it was uh, well the ge general crypto sphere. I, I I have been fairly late to, but I was aware of Bitcoin really quite a long time ago. And I did see the first tranche of millionaires uh, trotting into Rolls-Royce dealerships uh, yeah. after the first boom of Bitcoin and thought, hmm, that's interesting. I'll maybe keep an eye on that. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't do anything about it. Uh, and it was only until uh, it was February 2020, I think, mm -hmm. uh, when my friend recommended that I have a look at uh, the Reserve Crypto Project. So uh, I did. Um, I read the white paper. I read about the website and um, looked into it. Saw that I thought the project itself was uh, ambitious, but mm -hmm. at the same time uh, worthwhile and had a real-world use. 
um, mm -hmm. and the investors um, also were big hitters, mm -hmm. which, um, yeah, I know Peter Thiel invests in quite a lot of projects, but to have that kind of name and the PayPal guys associated with it were kind of suggested that um, it, it had legs and it was also going to be uh, a broad scope. So um, that's kind of why I got involved. Um, it, it, its immediate practical value is very worthwhile, but it also has a great real world use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree in that. Um, I also was, you know, back in 2019, I was looking um, at different projects um, and I encountered Reserve via Digital Currency Group's website um, because they have a division on different kind of projects they invested in. So they kind of filter it by, um, you know, projects related to layer one or projects related to NFTs. Um, so so there, I, I, I think I came across this and then I, you know, went into deeper. And as, I, as you said, like, there were like people who already had, um, for example, PayPal, right? So Peter Thiel. So people who already had like exposure to the FinTech were actually kind of the, were the investors. So that means that, that that guidance is available for the team as well. Um, now, there is one thing that, you know, you, you actually, you know, do a deep dive into the project, right? And then kind of um, understand yourself that, okay, this, this thing, looks very promising in terms of it has a real world value. It could help people in high inflation countries to actually protect their savings. Um, so which, uh, which could have a like really, really huge uh, use case. But then it's another thing that you kind of get yourself immersed into the project itself. Um, so I would imagine that, um, uh, you know, you, you are also spending on a weekly basis quite amount of time following the regular updates and putting together the updates for the community that what's going on so what what motivated you out of the whole crypto ecosystem to kind of just focus on this one project and and you know produce those uh, weekly updates on a consist consistent basis um uh, well the, the the short there's a short and a long answer <laughs> but the, the shorter answer is that um i was kind of pushed into it <laughs> um i started off uh, i just joined the telegram like most people did back uh, back then and um just posted general thoughts you know price speculation the, the general stuff really mm -hmm. um and uh, I was just chipping in with some bits and pieces and then somebody, uh, I think it was probably one of my friends, suggested that I become an admin and the mm -hmm. other admin said, yes, that's a good idea. So I became an admin in Telegram, never been an admin mm -hmm. in Telegram before. So mm -hmm. uh, then I just kind of, you know, made sure people weren't being stupid and tried to be an admin, really. I didn't really know what, what went with the territory, just making it up as I went along. Um, mm -hmm. And then because i was an admin then people would ask me questions and i would go and find out the answers and i would kind of do a community type of thing um yeah they, they were looking for um people in my time zone uh to do official reserve uh administration on the uh, the official telegram channel to answer questions 
And mm-hmm. I thought about doing that, but then that was going to be a bit prescriptive and I wasn't going to be able to say anything outside of reserves, um, official statements, let's say. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't have been able to do any speculation or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I figured that probably wasn't for me. And the upshot of that was uh, I suggested that Reserve do like a weekly update and mm-hmm. it didn't really go anywhere. And that they're kind of tied in what they can and can't say. So mm-hmm. um, Moa, who's who's a bot <laughs> uh, on the uh, Telegram group. Yeah, I, I... <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so he suggested that I just do a little one-pager. So I just started doing a one-pager, and then it's literally just grown from there. Um, I, I started thinking that the one-pager could get a bit better, and I have no mm-hmm. journalistic background whatsoever. I just, made again, made it up as I went along, um, and then landed on Medium because uh, another guy in the Telegram group uh, put an article mm-hmm. on Medium. This is really good because people can read this properly um, yeah. and, you know, you can add to it and come back to it, that kind of thing. So I picked Medium. Uh, it's, you know, it's reading, it's long form. I'm a bit older than everybody else. So uh, that's the way I communicate. I don't do YouTube or anything like that or TikTok. So uh, that's it's kind of stuck and I, I've let it just form itself. I don't get a great deal of feedback, um, you know, constructively. Um, mm-hmm. I just hope that it helps um, put the word out and maybe give a slightly lower level explanation of what's going on in reserve and just show that things mm-hmm. do go on and sometimes have a take on a part of what something's happened. So it might be to investigate a particular market like international transactions or something like that, just yep. to show um, that what the what the company is doing has, again, tie it back to the real world, but mm-hmm. it, and also I'm allowed to inject hope and say, well, if Reserve only uh, penetrated 5% of this particular market, then it would mean that it would be globally quite successful. So um, that's, well, that's that's kind of where where it came yeah. from, really. Um, yeah. And I, I wouldn't do it if I didn't particularly enjoy it. So I mean, I'm just interested. I'm just naturally curious, I guess. Great, great. I think it's um, really valuable. And the reason being is that um, the project has grown over the years. So, you know, there is uh, lots of lots of things are going on on a weekly basis. Um, so you have now, you know, as I say, you have like RPA adoption at one end, and now we we are looking at the protocol itself, um, the development of our tokens, the development of plugins. So we'll go into that later. But you know, in short, I think it's really needed. Um, I mean, I, there is a lot of value addition for the common people because, you know, they can go there if they are invested in the project or they are following the project, you know, or if there is any investor, for example, of the Reserve Protocol itself, um, which, you know, the key investors, they want to know what's going on. They can just go to your one pager or the Medium article, right, and just see for themselves that what are the updates, you know, from, from the project from the past week. So I think it's a great initiative and uh, I personally uh, do, do look, look at it uh, to get an idea of what's going on and because it's a synthesis of um, you know, the information, the key information about the project itself. So, so um, great work, Malo. I really appreciate um, your, uh, your efforts on, on that as a, as a part of the um, you know, 
uh, community who's, who's following the project as well. Um, so I think it seems like it was like one thing led to the other and then you kind of enjoyed that thing and you kind of kept at it, right? And then it kind of, uh, and then it, it, it feels like you immersed yourself because you were enjoying the whole process. Um, but yeah, I, but do, you, do you have any message to the, to the community that, um, so for example, I just, you just shared that you're not, still getting much feedback so do you want to say something that you you're looking forward to it or if um well if people want to uh just dm me uh either get get me on discord uh on telegram or yeah DM me on twitter and say hey why don't you do a bit on something of uh this that and the other so you know come up with some suggestions um i'm yeah. quite open totally totally agree yeah okay yeah so so guys if people listening um please if you have any suggestions for Marla on the on the weekly updates he's been doing it for for quite a while now and it, it's it's a solid thing uh, for the for the community and if you have any suggestions please feel free to reach out to him directly um okay so you know the other Moving, moving on to, to the Resolve project itself, um, you know, see, the, it's focused on uh, Latin America. So I would like you to, you know, for the general audience um, who, 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 for example, who doesn't know what the project does, can you please explain um, what, what the project is? and what it is trying to, to solve, what problem it is trying to solve. Sure. Um, the, I think it's, the project's divided into two main areas. Uh, one is called RPA, the other one is mm -hmm. the protocol itself. Um, we'll, 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 we'll go into RPA. Um, so RPA is effectively an app, which was built by the reserve team, mm -hmm. which brings together, um, people who want to pay for things and people who want to save in dollars uh, because Latin America is quite affiliated with the dollar. Um, and that's because in areas of high inflation, like where they started in Venezuela, if you keep your Mexican bolivars, uh, and at the time it might have even been for a month, then it's worth 40% of what it was a month ago. So your incentive is to get out of bolivars into something stable and only spend those bolivars when you really need to, therefore preserving your wealth. So mm -hmm. the Reserve app allowed people to take bolivars, convert them into virtual USD, which RSV, um, keep it there for as long as they wanted to, and then pay for something. And that had to have a network effect because it's all very well and good having an app uh, that you can use, but if the if your local shop doesn't accept the app, then there's you can't do very much about it. But they they did put in um, rails whereby you can get cash, so you can give some bolivars to somebody uh, that will get turned into um, U.S. dollars in the app by a liquidity provider who'll give you a rate to exchange that money backwards and forwards, and that's kind of how it grew. Um, but now, obviously, there are many thousands of merchants who accept payment via the app, and intra-app trans transactions are free. So the main theory was that you get paid in bolivars, 
you convert those bolivars to USD, you preserve the value of your wages for uh, as long, well, you know, easily a year uh, instead of a few days. And the incentive there is to buy stuff that you can save. And on the back of saving means that uh, you can meaningfully plan uh, a lot more. So the net effect is hopefully uh, that, you know, people can save and plan. And I know somebody who used the app definitely set up their own business based on saving in the app. Um, and to a lesser extent, there are higher inflation issues in the rest of Latin America, but I guess we're waiting to see uh, what the use case is for the RPA app in places like Mexico, for example. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, on top of that, there is the issue that a lot of people don't even have bank accounts in Mexico. Mm -hmm. so how do you get you? How do you get paid um, potentially through the app? Uh, but also, how do you get your Mexican pesos into something that you want to keep and use? What's the incentive yeah. there? Um, and just well, going back to the you know the initial explanation on the Venezuela uh, Venezuela market where you have the you so there, I think you know to, for the people to understand there are two in my understanding the two key applications here as you explained um, one is its savings um, in do dollars so that if you are living in a high inflation country and you are affected by the loss of purchasing power due to very high inflation, then you can save your money in dollars on mm -hmm. Arpay app. That is the first thing that is savings. In second, it seems like you can also use those dollars to actually pay for goods and services, right? Yeah. So those are two key for a common person, right? To, to cook key applications. Um, which is great because I think that is also the purpose of the fiat currency and you kind of actually bringing all the benefits of fiat on RPay and bringing that to uh, this and doing it with a stable coin, which is basically using all the stack of blockchain cryptocurrency, which common person doesn't know what's, what's going on at the back, back end. But you're bringing all the benefits of the fiat um, on with, with this RPA, right? Exactly. Yes. Um, I should also say that um, uh, one of the benefits in Venezuela is that you don't need a point of sale equipment to <laughs> be able to mm. accept payment. Um, yeah, absolutely. So in in poorer countries, you know, it costs money and they take a fee if you want to point a sale equipment so mm -hmm. in again in that environment it's really helpful yeah exactly so it is even um there is a use case for the merchant themselves that they don't have to invest in pos machines and then if they are investing in that on top of that they have to pay some commission as well right i guess for the payments so that kind of eradicates the needs of having that payment method when, when people can just use RPay by scanning a QR code, right? Mm, exactly, exactly. Interesting, great, great, yeah. Um, so so that's, that's the use case. Um, so you were talking about Mexico and um, Mexico is a very interesting um, country because you know, as you were mentioning about uh, the low penetration of uh, bank accounts 
mean, I have one figure over here, like from 2021, is that which is on payments revenue. So the payments revenue um, per capita in Mexico stands at $130 in, in, in 2021. And mm. if you compare that with, uh, with North America, for example, it's $1,424 per capita. So I see a huge gap here. I see a huge gap here for, for the payments um, revenue. Um, so basically, it means that people are not using, um, you know, technology as, as for to actually do payments. So there is a big gap here. So my question is that in in this whole untapped, um, you know, market in helping people to actually ease their, um, you know, day to day life, how can reserve go into that market and and which are the focus areas which reserves should focus on like because i think it's going to be a challenge if if someone doesn't have a bank account first of all right if if everything is being done in cash so the first challenge i see how do you bring all those people who are just part of the cash economy to have that bank account so that you know, they can use all these services like our page to actually pay for goods and services as well. Um, well, it's, uh, it's, it's been tried before in many different places. Sometimes it doesn't work, but uh, there is a historical uh, record for success in this, and it, it would be in Africa. And it, I, think it's, I think it was Vodafone that set up their own internal currency which people could use mobile phones to pay with. <laughs> yeah. And it took off enormously. I mean, it was just incredible. So I think the ultimate thing is, A, you've got to, you've got to get people to trust the application, that the money that they have in their hand, let's just say it's dollars or pesos or whatever, or under the mattress, is as safe as it is there, or, or if not being better used inside an app, and secondly, you've got to give them a, a reason to want to use electronic cash instead of real cash um, and, a, and a better use case for it. So um, one, one thing might be you've got to get the cash into the app somehow. So there's got to be super simple rails uh, to get pesos or USD into the app. And then you've got to have the uh, two-sided network effect of people wanting to pay with the app and people wanting to be paid with the app um, and get that out as quickly as possible. Distribution these days is zero because it's just on the internet. So you can quite happily go from zero to a million users in a month if your infrastructure can take it, um, as long as there's enough demand um, for your products. Now, what would be the initial reason for mm -hmm. somebody in Mexico to do this? Well, uh, I can think of two uh, reasonably compelling arguments. Uh, the first would be um, interest-bearing account. Mm -hmm. So if Reserve can create an R token which generates uh, interest for a customer-based bank account, call it, then mm -hmm. um, you're reasonably, you've got a reasonable chance of getting somewhere with that. Um, and I did have a quick look um, at the average Mexican savings in dollars is about $323. Uh, 
So mm-hmm. that's the average saving per Mexican. And considering about 60% of them don't have bank accounts, that's that's quite a lot. Yeah. Um, you, the UK, by um, by comparison, is 481. So it's not that far behind the mm-hmm. UK in terms of savings. So there's a market there. That, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I don't know whether that's you know more commercial or residential. I don't I don't know what the buildup of that is, but it's there. The the second um, would be I think for for Mexico would be remittances from the states. Yep, that's, um... there there is. Um, now, oh, blimey, I don't have the numbers to hand, but I think it's something really high, like uh, probably five. five, five billions. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's really high. Um, it's billions. From Mexican. It's billions. It's billions for sure. Yeah. From, from the USA to Mexico. Yeah. Um, so the average fee for your standard person sending money from the United States to Mexico is about currently 5%, Mm -hmm. Um, especially also if you need that money to go to cash rather than a bank account, because as we've just said, not a lot of Mm -hmm. people have bank accounts, then that's going to be even higher. So um, you could, the the incumbent there is is terrible. You know, MoneyGram uh, and Wells Fargo are just (laughs) <laughs> just making free money because nobody else has come close to making a dent in that in those volumes. So I think the the incumbents there to be to be knocked. Uh, so you can mm-hmm. come in with disruptive tactics, and yes, you'll annoy them, um, but you can come in with really low fees. And in fact, if somebody gets their gets paid in USD, mm-hmm. uh, transfers it by the app to a so- family member in Mexico is free. So yeah. there, there's a compelling use case there. And so it's, even if they yeah. cashed in and cashed out of the app, it's still probably <laughs> less than that 5%. Interesting, interesting. So, you know, this, I, I agree on that. Like there's savings and remittances. Now on the savings, you, you said like um, Mexico has an average saving per person of $350, right? Hmm. Around close to so. Mexico has a population of 130 million. So that, that brings us to like 50 billion of savings annually. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of this you think is in banks? So you're saying if 60% of that is banked, that means only 30 billion is banked and 20 billion is still kind of like, you know, it's, it's cash savings or could be anywhere in the beef of 10, 15, 20 billion dollars that comes to my mind. So, mm-hmm. so that means that this is the market we are, we are kind of targeting in Mexico in terms of savings. If, if we are to provide them a platform to actually park their savings, then this is the whole size, right? Yes. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, the numbers uh, just get silly. Um, and this is only talking about one particular country um, yeah exactly this one particular yeah. country and, and i know reserve like they they like to have really stable um part um liquidity provider partners in the countries that they want to move into um so mm. because they guarantee the the payments so without that then this you know the on-ramps and the off-ramps aren't quite there but there are also other ways of people moving money into the app p2p for example stuff like that but this is why i think it takes them a while to get into certain countries but i also know that they have 
I don't know what the entity is, but they've created an entity, a financial entity in Mexico. It could be that they've registered some sort of banking um, rights so that they can be in charge of issuing uh, and storing money. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what the entity is, so, but it, they've, they've gone about this. Mm -hmm. So the challenge here I see, Marlo, is it looks like in Mexico, like if, if I'm, I'm, I'm living in some remote part of Mexico, I have like, you know, hundred dollars and I've heard about this cool app, which is like providing, you know, um, savings in giving me uh, interest, like 2% interest on my savings and I can get remittances. I heard it from my friends, word to mouth. Um, would it be possible for a person to, can you imagine that, that I go to my local shop in the village, pay $100 and my wallets get hundred dollars credited on he he tells me that this is how you download the app this is how you use it you give me hundred dollars and in this account you're going to get hundred dollars and from the same amount you can pay for the goods in my shop as well i i, I i've got a sneaking suspicion that I, I have no proof of this but that's that must be how it's going to work you hand over some cash to a retailer or somebody yeah they then they then literally ask for your app ID and mm -hmm. within seconds you have that hundred dollars and what what happens to a physical hundred dollars I'm not sure yeah um, maybe it gets you know so somehow there's liquidity somewhere or it gets sent somewhere don't know but oh, that's, I think that's, yeah. it's got to happen like that that's that's yeah. exactly how it has to happen so that's kind of building a network of mini liquidity providers across Mexico I guess because you cannot just do that with just being in the cities because, you know, cities there, you will find the liquidity providers probably, but then you go down, you'll have to, you know, work with these or retailers and, and kind of bring it them into the liquidity network um, and connect them throughout the country if you are to tap this. So I think it would be interesting to take, um, you know, talk to someone directly from Reserve and, and know how, how they're planning to do it, actually, how they're planning to, to build that liquidity network in, in Mexico so that one can go and just pay at the retail shop and gets the, gets the digital dollars in their account, RSV in their accounts. Um, that will be the interesting part. I know that uh, Victoria... Uh, did mention when she was doing her research about um, Mexico that you know you can go out into Mexico and even people who want to buy things um, can't get to a cash point because the nearest cash point is 40 miles away and so mm -hmm. the liquidity in a village for example runs out because it goes one way yeah. uh, so th there's got to be something along those lines set up uh, I think mm -hmm. yeah so this is um... This is one use, I think this is one country we're talking about, about. So the takeaway is that Mexico has an enormous amount of uh, potential in terms of helping people, um, you know, get into the, the whole um, traditional finance uh, network and, and bank them and provide them with, with, with the super cool uh, app which can help them not only earn interest on their savings but also help them um, pay for goods and services and also receive remittances from abroad right yeah exactly and that's that's 
part of the benefit of that uh, is the fact that um, stable coins don't really see international boundaries and neither does crypto. So the yep. fact that they're using crypto might just be a happy mistake for Reserve because um, PayPal uh, had this vision, but then PayPal having to be a company um, in the United States meant that it had to it had to adhere by all the laws of the United States. And um, mm -hmm. Reserve has to adhere to a lot of laws, KYC and um, anti-money laundering, et cetera. But the, the transfer of crypto doesn't, doesn't at the moment have to abide by those laws. So it's really, really, really liquid, li really liquid, and it's super easy and low cost. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so I, I would like to touch base on on Argentina. Um, but you know, I, I know that Reserve um, is active there. Um, and the interesting thing about Argentina is it's, um, you know, 45 million population and 80% of mobile users um, with internet connections. Um, and it's a country where the inflation is, is, I'm not sure whether you've looked at the recent numbers, but it's, it's 88% was the number in October 2022. And uh, economists are expecting that to reach 100% by the end of the year. So, I mean, there's this terrible situation in Argentina in terms of inflation. Um, so you can imagine the, the price of goods and services going up there. Um, so what, what is the challenge for reserve there? Um, we have seen that Reserve has, you know, has a good success in Venezuela, uh, which means that there is a product market fit. People are really keen to use it. Um, there's lots of merchants on board, thousands in number, I guess around 10,000 merchants already, you know, using Reserve. Um, so, so what's what's the what's actually limiting the expansion of Arpe in Argentina? In, in your opinion? Well, now that uh, inflation has hit Argentina badly, um, you would question why at all. Maybe it's just knowledge. Um, maybe it's just people don't know that they can stop um, the, the effect of uh, inflation. Um, it could be that the rates with the liquidity providers are not very good, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. to, to move your cash in and out uh, is not great. There won't be many merchants that accept um, reserve in Argentina um, because we spoke to, <clears throat> we did a podcast um, ooh, a few months back. Um, mm -hmm. We spoke to the BizDev guy um, and he said that Argentina, because it's got so much more infrastructure, um, they basically everywhere in Argentina has a point of sale um, mm -hmm. appliance. And if you don't interact with that, then your application is fairly null and void. Um, and also that pe everyone uses cards in Argentina. So unless there's a card mm -hmm. and easy uh, on off rails, then potentially that's maybe why um, we haven't seen the adoption that we have in Venezuela. So I think the, the incumbent there is all of the payment infrastructure that's already in place and being, as you say, well used. They, you know, they're using a lot of technology. They've got a lot of mobile mm -hmm. phones. And what they're doing now is 
easy enough. It might be that um, they are somehow transferring um, to US dollar bank accounts. It could, yeah. it could well be that. But, but do they have access locally to US dollar bank accounts? I couldn't say. I don't know, actually. Okay, because um, it's interesting. You see, like, Argentina, this, this country, Argentina, has been you know, fighting inflation. I mean, okay, okay, today it's 88%, really high. But even back uh, one year, a couple of years back, it was not, like, really sub, you know, 5%. It was always struggling with inflation uh, in the recent times, right? Um, so, so even... With their existing infrastructure, um, if I would imagine, if someone is paying with their bank cards, first of all, um, they are paying something. To first of all, there is a cost for their for that for the card. Usually, it may be a very small fee, but usually banks are charging that fee. Um, secondly, if you are because you're paying for your goods and services to a merchant, then you're going to pay in from your bank account so that is in your local currency which is which is you know or is already struggling with the inflation and you're going to pay for the services at point of sale machines with your card you know so there is no kind of this thing of your you're able to save it um i know there is cryptocurrency adoption but then you know they will have to move their USD from some, you know, MetaMask wallet or exchange or, or whatever, then to their bank account, and then they will have to pay for goods and services. So it doesn't work for day-to-day, you know, stuff, day-to-day buying. If you're going to go and buy at a store for like your groceries, you're not going to move money, what savings you have from your exchange and then to your bank account, and then from bank account, you're going to pay with your card, right? So. So there is all this legacy infrastructure, which is not of that much use in the context of high inflation. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? Um, yes, uh, I do. The, the difference is that the cost of the transaction is borne by the merchant in the existing payment rails. So uh, a bank will issue uh, visa, card or a MasterCard or whatever, um, and the merchant who accepts uh, Visa or MasterCard payments will pay somewhere in the region of two and a half to four percent on each transaction. So somebody wants to buy uh, some trainers for Mm hundred dollars, then the manufacturer of those trainers gets nine, would be a hundred pound, a hundred dollar pair of trainers, the the manufacturer gets about $96, $95. And then the, the remaining uh, money is split between the card issuer, the bank, um, and the, 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 the people who do the rails, like Visa, for example. So Visa yeah. take a cut, the, bank, the issuing bank takes a cut, and the merchant effectively pays the difference. The customer, obviously, uh, just <clears throat> pays $100. They don't pay any extra, or they don't take part in that fee. So the, 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 um, the, the example in crypto is they have to take, the customer has to take some hit in transferring their native currency into cryptocurrencies. Mm. Yeah. So each transaction potentially costs the customer more, but 
when inflation outstrips that transactional value for the saving that it represents, then you should see more people using the crypto method. But we wait and see. Yeah, exactly, because this is right now is the period where that's definitely happening, right? Um, so it is. Yeah, and I, I did have the app on my phone, but I got a new phone and uh, I haven't re-enabled it. So I don't actually know what the adoption numbers are, but uh, I'm sure if they had gone through the roof, then we would know about it. But um, I'll get back on those once we get to. Uh, get to I that. mean, it's, it's very interesting. I read was that there is a province in Argentina, Mendoza, um, which is actually accepting stable coins for tax payment. So um, I think it's it seems to me that like you know, in in the country itself there is kind of this um, certain certain people are aware and they are actually using stable coins. But I think it's not very convenient to pay for your daily goods. You cannot just use you can. They are using it as savings, as long-term savings, right? So I think yeah. there is a need to basically, you know, for applications like Arpay to market them better. I think if if that is the you know um, challenge here, that because there is a great application, there is a great use case out there uh, for people, so that they don't have to worry about just putting their stable coins on exchanges and then transferring that. Uh, to their bank account and then using it, you know, uh, for whatever they want to pay for. So um, I think I think there is that that element of of I guess if that is if that is the issue, there should be one thing: marketing focus on from that. And second, I think if I'm not aware, but if someone from Reserve can can basically throw light on that, maybe in the future. Uh, if there is an issue regarding the liquidity providers in Argentina, because because for me, if they are able to crack that in Venezuela, how can they, they cannot do it in in Argentina? I'm aware that initially, back in like when we were listening to, I think Matt was giving updates, there were some concerns about the government regulations. So that's why I was mentioning that you know. Even there are provinces in Argentina who are who have now started accepting stable coins. So, you know, in terms of regulations, um, I I think there is more open environment today, I guess, and I think it should be the right time for you know for the expansion of um, you know Arpe in Argentina. For sure, yeah. Um. Okay, so you know, um. In, in terms of, uh, I was looking at the, the countries. Um, so can you like um, give a bit more detail if, if you are aware in which markets um, Reserve is, is trying to target next? Um, for example, like there are top five um, smartphone markets in Latin America. They are Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, Peru. I mean, if you combine all the smartphone connections in these countries, you will have around 442 million smartphone connections um, in, in these countries. That doesn't mean that everyone is using internet um, on this, but let's say if even if you, know, you have um, around 80% penetration, then that 
even then, then the, the number is is really high. Like you have around 350 um, million smartphone users connected to internet, right? Um, mm. So, so basically, which markets uh, reserve is is targeting next, or it is in, in your view it should target next within the Latin America? Um, you know, leveraging on their expertise and their work in Venezuela and kind of replicating that model in different countries. Well, um, I know that they're planning to roll out to I think it's twenty eight countries in something like 28 months so mm-hmm. uh, i don't think they're going to go to brazil primarily because of the language um i think because portuguese instead of uh, spanish but I, I think their plan is to go um to roll out to each of the south american countries <clears throat> um, and and the usa um so you will be able to use uh pay in some way shape or form in the USA. Uh, I think that that'll be next year, I, I would imagine. Um, so as well, well, from a um, potentially from an RSR holder perspective, where would I want them to go to maximize the transaction volume of RSV, which will become an auto? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then um, I, I would say number number one would be remittances for me. Um, yeah. Because the, uh, the market for remittances from the US to Latin America as a whole is just astonishingly big. So to capture even part of that would instantly get you into the multi-billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think as far as far as transaction volume and pure volume is concerned, that that um, much like much like banking, it's it's usually institutions that that make the most transactions in the highest volume so um as reserve have said i think it's something like 75 percent of all rsv transactions are institutional so it's it's companies paying their employees it's you know it's companies moving money around and that's mm-hmm. where all the high the high volume in transaction and if they're talking about um <clears throat> Uh, the total value of, of, of a fund of, of an R token being uh, a measurement of it, so total mm-hmm. assets locked uh, TVL, um, then it's going to be institutional stuff that's going to uh, to to make high volume transactions and high volume savings. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is kind of at odds to their kind of mission to save every man and um, help individuals fight inflation <clears throat> but you know uh, not all these people get paid if they have a job so you know to to target their employers and say well look you, you can pay your employees and they'll love you for it because they get to save money uh, mm-hmm. then you know that's a pretty compelling argument uh, and also the transactional uh, across border from the us is it would be huge in my opinion because it's just it's a no-brainer it really is a mm-hmm. no-brainer um yeah Credit card um, as well. Um, even the Venezuelans are saying, if I had a card, I could pay for things on the internet, uh, yeah. and that that would go mad as well. No, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I think remittances is is one of the big kind of um, potential areas uh, between US and Latin America to tap into uh, for itself. Mm. Uh, it naturally makes uh, sense. 
also um all you know our pay uh, is great um and the app works fantastically um but the payment rails part i don't think is 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 going to be um <clears throat> sustainable to grow hugely and fast because reserve is really careful about who they pick for liquidity provision um mm -hmm. so I would potentially, a bit like mobile coin, maybe partner with MoonPay or somebody like that, um, who can be uh, a really global payment rails partner. Mm -hmm. uh, that, so way, that way, you get in and out, um, and you know you're so using a trusted. Can company. you can you explain it in a little bit in detail for the audience? So for example, if if you're using MoonPay, how how that is working? um how the liquidity providing providers are providing services um it's uh well at the moment in the in the rpay app i think it's direct um the the liquidity providers are it's like a marketplace they mm -hmm. all connect via the app and they all offer um bolivars or the currency at a rate and somebody buys that currency at mm -hmm. a rate a bit like mm -hmm. went, you wanted to go abroad and buy euros or um Okay. Pounds, then you buy at a rate and then you sure. get that. So um, MoonPay, you set up an account with MoonPay and you say, I want to buy mm -hmm. some $100, but I want it to convert to that company over there. Mm -hmm. And they say, yeah, sure. We'll, here's the rate and we'll make sure it appears in your app. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so if somebody is actually putting, uh, connecting their RP account in Venezuela to the Bolivar's you know, their savings accounts, um, then, then basically uh, you have this marketplace of um, liquidity providers um, mm. and then who are actually quoting their rates. Um, and, and when you, you know, connect your RP account then, and you decide to convert your Bolivars, let's say, you know, 100,000 Bolivars into US dollars, and then you... What RPay is doing is matching that with the liquidity provider who is just selling dollars in exchange for bolivars, right? And then that is being credited in the form of RSV. Yes, that's it. Um, so, so basically, then where is this dollar? So where are these physical dollars sitting? Um, because RSV is is backed by you know, now we know that they have changed it is BUSD and um, TUSD. Yes. So, so where the when the transaction play, takes place, where does this this physical dollars are are sitting? Because that they have to be somewhere. Well, that's that's the part whereby the football. Uh, if you have your bank account connected in the app. You, you say, okay, here's my bank account. The app takes the money from your bank account. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing now. So <laughs> the, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, let's say. I think the money has to come out of your account. So if the money is taken by the app out of your account. It is then converted into um, BUSD and TUSD, I think, literally uh, mm -hmm. into crypto. <clears throat> and then the, that crypto, as those, those are then minted into a new RSV. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's that RSV is held uh, in custody for you, and hmm. your app has the key to that RSV. So basically, what it's happening is, um, so there is this 
dollars that RPay is able to get because you know um, that is being sent by the liquidity providers, and yes. then Reserve goes in matches that okay today I you know have additional thousand dollars, so I go and mint more BUSD and USD and use that to to credit to the consumer's account. To the best of my knowledge, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, that that dollar has to be. Um, so because you can mint it, you can ask, then the dollar has to be somewhere in the system or it is being sent somewhere. Um, because, for example, when a, a stablecoin issuer like, you know, Paxos, for example, or and BUSD is being um, issued by Paxos as well, that mean institutions are going to give them USD if someone wants to mint it and it will go to a certain bank account and then that is going to be minted, right? Yes. So that means what, what's happening is basically if you're backing it, if Reserve is backing RSV by BUSD into USD, that means that they have to buy BUSD into USD from somewhere, right? And then they will have to pay for it. So maybe they're using those dollars to actually pay for the USD and TUSD. So I'm I'm just thinking yeah, out loud to it. see how that is working exactly. Uh, well, if you were, let's just say you went to Binance and mm. you said, okay, I want to, well, actually from, you used to be able, on the website, you used to be able to mint your own RSV. Yeah, so it, it would, is. It is. I know. You would, I know. You would need some. Uh, you would need a, a third of the old basket uh, in order mm. to do that. So the app basically just acts a bit like Binance mm -hmm. in that it takes the physical um, dollars and converts them into crypto, yeah, and, so, and yeah. then converts them again into uh, mm -hmm. via the protocol. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, an R token, let's call it. Um, okay. So the the What's the benefit of that compared to just using, um, I don't know, BUSD? So why don't they just use BUSD? Well, that was the whole point of the protocol was a level of abstraction away from having to use one type of currency because mm -hmm. currencies fail. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And, and we've seen them swap out the basket, and it didn't affect anybody. Um, mm -hmm. it just worked. So that that's that's great because. Um, if if we think oh something's a bit mm -hmm. ropey, you can just swap swap it out for something else. Yeah, so they are minting RSV the same way as you and me would go and mint RSV by buying USD yeah, BUSD from the market and you know you know putting that as collateral and then just minting RSV. Um, interesting, um, Malo. I think we we are towards the end of a podcast. I think we need a second one because this was just on our pay. And like, to me, it feels like we, we, we covered quite a bit, but, you know, it was it's lots, lots to actually talk and discuss. So um, I, I think we, we will, um, you know, stop here um, and to, to kind of summarize on our pay. And then maybe we can, we can potentially have a second one on the reserve protocol itself, right? And talking sure. about our tokens and, and the plugins, because that's a whole different world altogether. It, yes, it absolutely it is. Yes, it um, is. no problem with that at all. Yeah, so um, 
Perfect. I think uh, one thing we, we learned that there is immense potential in Latin America. It's a 660 million population and lots of uh, unbanked population as well in countries like Mexico. Uh, we looked at the numbers uh, in Mexico. You shared that there is potential uh, opportunity of, of about just, you know, uh, around 20 billion in savings, uh, which is untapped. On top of that, there are remittances uh, uh, which, which, which could be tapped into. And apart from that, other countries like Argentina, where, where there is really high inflation as of today. Um, so there's, I think it is immense potential and perfect product market fit for the protocol. I think it's, it's a great time to, to build and keep your heads down and work towards um, building the product given the market scenario we, we are in today. Um, so I think, uh, I think that's about it on, on our pay. I, I, um, I hope uh, it was uh, interesting for you as well. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great to, to be on. Thanks for having me. Great, great model. I think I'll probably uh, be having you again in, in the near future to discuss okay. about the product itself. Perfect, thanks. Until then, thanks very much. You too, have a good day. Bye. Cheers.